Welcome back to the basement, everybody. It's October, and one of the best things about October in our household is October baseball. And with that in mind, since the number nine is in the title of this podcast, it seemed appropriate to join baseball to the show since there are nine positions in baseball. And lucky for me, I had two people who really wanted to talk baseball with me. So this is a baseball edition of the 9th Avenue Nine. And for this special edition, I am joined by my friends, David and Caroline Asp. Hello. Hello, Joel. Hi. I think Caroline might be my youngest uh, guest so far on the show. So for any of you out there who are listening who are younger brothers and sisters at the church, please feel free to follow her example. Um, So... Since there's nine positions on the baseball diamond, it kind of works perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, so, so what we're doing here is we're going to talk about what one player from baseball history uh, we would take at each position, and then we decided to do three pitchers, uh, right? Like a start, three, two starting pitchers and a reliever. Yes, I'm sorry, Joel. I thought that we were going to decide which nine baseball players we would have in the church basement with us. <laughs> My list is totally different than what yeah, you Yeah, I would described. imagine it would be. I mean, I'm thinking some of these people here that I have on my list, there's no way I'd want you to would spend not want them in the basement. 10 minutes with them, let alone We've talked about this. Year. Caroline knows which nine players you'd have, right, Caroline? Yeah, I've, I've already which made one? a list. Oh, well, which, com- which nine you'd want to have in the basement? Yeah. <laughs> Just to, to keep you company. Yeah. Fair enough. That's almost all of them. How much overlap would Native there be between Spanish speakers? No, no, this is, yeah. no, no. I hate to burst your bubble, but this is actually about the players. If say you were the manager of the team, what players would you? What would be your starting lineup, and then your your reliever and your you yeah. know, your pitchers? Yep. So the pitchers, uh, you know, one left-handed pitcher, one starter, left-handed, one right-handed, and then a reliever. So. Other than those parameters, I think it's pretty broad. Our picks are probably based on a team that we love to construct based on a lot of different factors, right? Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't necessarily just go, who's the best at each position? For me, I decided to pick some people that my heart really loves instead of just the numbers. So, but before we get into talking about our teams, tell me about your love for baseball. How did you come to love baseball, David, Caroline? And I can then talk about myself. Sure. Well, I'll go. Can I go first? Is that all right? You go okay, first. Okay, yeah. So I'm um, I'm a sports fan. I mean, I've always been a sports fan. Mm-hmm. I love to watch sports, uh, and really, I can get into most sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if, if I wanted to, like, I think I'd become a fan of almost any sport just to enjoy it, mm-hmm. the competition and the stories. Um, but baseball has always been a fun sport for me to follow ever since I was a little kid. I mm-hmm. collected baseball cards and researched mm-hmm. the players and even got really into reading books about baseball history. So just even the, the stories that led to the history of the game were something that I was drawn to. What's a favorite book? Well, I remember when I was a young kid. I was younger than Karen. I was probably 10 years old, I think. And I had uh, appendicitis. Mm-hmm. So I was in the hospital, actually. Okay. And I remember I read the biography of Pee Wee Reese over oh. and over and over again. Like, Pee-wee multiple Reese. times. Those things. Short, so just, long-time yeah. shortstop for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah, those of right. you who don't know. Not known as a trailblazer in no. integrating the game. No, <laughs> but, no. but he, he was, played with Jackie Robinson. He and there was talking about his, yeah. his relationship with Jackie Robinson part of the book. So it yeah, was, sure. And, and so that was part of it, you know. And then... Um, 
of course, like big Minnesota Twins fan. So I yes, I was a Twins fan just by the grace of God at exactly the right time. Yeah, you know, nine years old in 1987 when mm-hmm. they won the World Series, and so uh, that was a great time to be a Twins fan and a baseball fan. So, yeah, and then I had like I mean I had all kinds of baseball books growing up, but mm-hmm. all the biographies really. Yeah, and um, and then even now, like I I would say my favorite baseball book is Moneyball. Moneyball, the great book, yeah. Made into a movie, older. so probably a lot of people mm-hmm. have seen it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my, I mean, really, it's just the stories in the game, and I enjoy being a fan of baseball in a different way than I'm a fan of other sports. Because yeah. I feel like with baseball, people think it's boring, I guess, because it's not as fast-paced all the time. Yeah. But I, I feel like it gives you the chance to kind of sit back and, and appreciate mm-hmm. what's going on more broadly during mm-hmm. the game, mm-hmm. and kind of think about it a little more strategically as to what they're planning to do, mm-hmm. shifting or pitching someone a certain way, stuff like that. And then um, it also has a bigger narrative. So I think mm-hmm. when I was older, I took a class called The History of Baseball for college credit. There you go. And, uh, Not and, bad. <laughs> no, it was good, good history <laughs> class. And one of the things we learned about was the, the way that the arc of baseball and the history of baseball reflects the history of our culture, mm-hmm. usually with mm-hmm. changes in baseball just a little bit ahead yeah. of what's happening yeah. more generally. So that's yeah. also another fun way to enjoy the game. Absolutely. And let's hope that the next generation of Twins fans can have a title very, very soon. We can. There's I always can, next year. I can, yes. <laughs> it seemed like they were going to have a good year this year, and it just blew up. It was bad. So. Yeah. And speaking of the next generation... What about you, Caroline? What are you? What are your memori- memories growing up uh, about your love for baseball? Um, I've always been a baseball fan. Yeah, I've been watching baseball as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'd watch baseball in the summer and football in the winter, and those are like the really only the two sports that I like to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I've got like specific memories. So I remember like. Miguel Sano became my second favorite baseball player when I was watching the Twins, and he got hit by a pitch, and he charged the mound, and ever since then, I've loved him. So. <laughs> you like the really edgier parts of the it. game, right? Yeah. You yeah. like the parts of the game where, like, the... It's like, the, let's... Like, let's yeah. 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 And so, let me think, you were born what year? 2009. Okay, so you don't have any memory of the Metrodome, then. No. You never went... You um, Okay, so your you, target field is is your... Now, now, I know that you've been able to visit a couple other ballparks in mm-hmm. the country. You went to... Didn't you go to a game in Boston? Yeah, I went to Fenway Park. Yeah? What other places have you visited? Um, I don't really know. Is that I it? Think, I think that's it. Spring training. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the spring uh, training. I've never been able to do that. I'd really like to yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, so cool. But I think Caroline, one thing I, I like watching games with Caroline is... She is drawn to the players' stories. Sure. So I think you'll hear that in the list, right? In the list, yeah, You sure. talk a lot about the kind of who they are cool. yeah. individually, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then for me, I would say, uh, I think that just like with any sport, I think you see this especially, all sports have the element of family tradition. You know, mm-hmm. for me... Uh, my dad and mom, uh, my dad worked uh, at a college where he was able to get a, a season ticket co-op. And I grew up in Southern California. So we went to 10 to 20 Dodger games every year. I uh, nice. went to the World Series in 1988 when I was 13 years old. I've still only been to one World Series game, but it was the greatest 
World Series game in the history of the Dodgers. So I don't know that I'm going to go back because I don't know what else I could really see that would be better. Um, but yeah, it's just that notion of the heirloom element. Uh, I love the fact that it has a, such a great and storied history. And to your point, David, just how so much of I feel like with baseball that for some reason there's so much more about the American story that's ingrained in the in the struggle. So. I'm sure that there were issues of integration with basketball and football, but they don't loom as large as Jackie Robinson's integrating the game in 1947. And so I think there's something deep about that to me. And I've also done my share of reading um, about it. And now I can enjoy it with my kids, and there is just, there's nothing, and there's something so just beautiful to me artistically about the game. I just, I think it's... There's so much about it, and it just gets me really, really emotional. Honestly, I just love it so. So anyway, but yeah. Uh, so now, we're, and I've passed this sickness on to my kids. Unfortunately, <laughs> Jack and I you know, st- are both Dodger fans. Wesley's a um, a Twins fan. My wife bears with the whole thing. But m- Stephanie and I, our very first date was a Dodger Giant game. Oh, nice. 1997 so yeah there you go in Los Angeles in Los Angeles yes and I have been to I think at last count 19 baseball stadiums oh nice I've been all over the place I've been to a lot of them so it's been fun and you do the passport right my boys have passports I don't have one okay yeah there is a passport uh, product where you can go get stamps at all the ballparks so that's cool well let's dig into the uh, the the reason we're here beyond just the love of the game Uh, so what can you tell me anything about the parameters you set up for setting up your team besides just these are great players Mm -hmm. yeah do you want me to go first yes okay so I I thought about what is a team that I would like to see play? Yeah. And so whenever you're thinking about a list like this, you run into the problem of different eras and um, fair comparisons and what's accurate and what isn't in terms Mm -hmm. of statistics and how much you use statistics even. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, you know, some of those statistics tell a story Mm -hmm. that I would like to see play out. Sure. And in some cases... Um, there are players who are just like so legendary that it's sort of like I, I would love to see this player play yeah. in person. And yeah. so for me, it's it's taking the player who's the best player of that time usually and um, putting them in a context where they're, they'd be in a lineup or be mm-hmm. pitching in a game where I could see it. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's my parameters. Like, do I want to watch this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Carolyn and I have been listening to the Joe Paznansky book called The Baseball 100. Okay. He's a writer that, that writes about baseball, and he did a list of the best 100 baseball yeah. players of all time. And, you know, he talks in some detail about how hard it is to compare. But Yeah, um, it is. But I think he's pretty fair in saying, you know, there's not really a fair comparison in a lot of ways, but you can still... But you get the sense choose. that if Ted Williams was playing right now, he could still hit 300 pretty easily. You would think so. I would think. Don't know. And so uh, same kind of thing goes for you, Caroline, or you know, anything different to add in terms of how you came up with your team? Um. Well, Google is a great resource. <laughs> that should be put to use. Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. have any specific statistic you looked at a lot, or? Um. I didn't really look at stats. Okay. I, I um, I just did some research on just like the greatest player for the specific position. Mm-hmm. And then um, you can find the Baseball 100, just like all the players listed out on mm-hmm. The Athletic. 
Okay. So um, that came in really useful. And then... I should check that out. That'd be fun. Yeah. And then I just, like, I picked a player, and then I made a list of them, and then I researched each player mm-hmm. individually. Wow. So how much time did you spend on this? How much homework did you miss? Uh, I mean, you haven't gone to school for two weeks. You've been working on this the whole time. Right? That's not she true. just hasn't gone. <laughs> we said it's worth it. Yes, it's it. It's focus. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Joel needs yeah. guests like, on the show. <laughs> we gotta have it. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so and for me, I had all my players are Hall of Famers. I will say that. So there's that. Um, but I did, I, but I really didn't do a lot of number crunching for the same reason. I just wanted to go more from the heart and then from the head for me. So, but they're all Hall of Famers. They're all people that have have had amazing careers. It's not like I just you know just went with you know somebody just because I loved them growing up you know because there were we all have those players that you yeah. just you, you love for whatever reason um, so you know I don't have that I thought as I was putting this together I wanted to have sort of barrier breaking players in some mm-hmm. ways you know mm-hmm. players who sort of tried to redefine the game and mm-hmm. did things differently yeah. and that made me think about the different ways that the game has changed and players have come in at different times mm-hmm. when they wouldn't have been able to before, so yeah. that was fun as well. Okay, and we'll bring in along the way, you know, some of these, if how many of these folks you've been able to see maybe in person, and, you know, if that yeah. brings anything to it. Can you, can I ask you, you said they were Hall of Famers. So are, they all, are they all in the Hall of Fame right now? Or yes. Are, do you have any no, 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 there, hall is one, there is one person who is a future Hall of Famer. Okay. That's true. I do have one person who's active. Caroline, are your players all... Hall of Famers? Um, all of them are Hall of Famers, except for one player who's in a different Hall of Fame. Ah, nice. My, um, oh. and mine are not all Hall of Famers, okay. so controversy. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's get started. Let's start. Caroline, why don't we go with you first, and we'll start with the first base. Um, okay, so for first base, I had Lou Gehrig. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, you know, it was like, Babe Ruth's best buddy. Yeah. You know, they're like number three, number four. Yes. Yes. Um, First baseman for the New York Yankees in the 20s and 30s. Yeah. And um, he was a very good first baseman. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, at one point in his career, he led the league in runs, hits, doubles, triples, home runs, RBIs, walks, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, and total bases. This was in the same year. Think yeah. so. Wow. Yes. That's a, that's a powerhouse. Yes. So he was very good. He was, yeah. Um, he was known for having Lou Gehrig's disease, also known as ALS, mm-hmm. um, which is just like a disease that doesn't really have a cure and that you will eventually die from, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of sad. But he played through it, mm-hmm. and he still managed to be a very great player Mm -hmm. and actually one story about him is there's this journalist called Jimmy Powers and it was after Lou Gehrig had retired and he was dying and he knew that he was dying but this journalist wrote an article as an explanation on why the Yankees were playing so bad Mm -hmm. and his explanation was that Lou Gehrig had given them all polio Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, like, he described in great detail <laughs> their flaws. And it was all based on this one doctor who said that his disease was, like, sort of like polio, but uh-huh. not actually uh-huh. polio. So, he based this whole article on it. It was a very long article 
very detailed, mm-hmm. um, and Garrick read it, and he was very hurt, yeah. of course. Yeah. So he actually ended up suing the newspaper, which was called the Daily News, uh-huh. and he sued them seventeen thousand five hundred dollars. And then the art, and then the journalist wrote an apology article. I've never later. heard that story. Yeah, that's, that's some, very interesting. Some nasty journalism. Yeah. yeah. The best. Speaking of Lou Gehrig, have you seen the movie The Pride of the Yankees? I have. The old Gary it's an old black and white movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know the church. A lot of big baseball movie fans at the church. Sure, just of course. Like big baseball Absolutely. Fans. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the better baseball movies, though. I'd say. Yeah, and I think whatever. Babe Ruth's actually in it. He is actually in it, as I recall. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. It's a great movie. All right, Mr. David, what about you? Well, I think that's a really good pick. It is I a great pick. I can't criticize Legendary. Gary, but I will take Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols. Sir Albert. And he is also nicknamed The Machine. Yes. La Machina. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the great, um, great, I mean, he currently plays for the Dodgers, right? Currently, Still yes, on the Los Angeles Staying in there, but he's, yeah. but he's well-known for playing for the Cardinals. And this is an example of someone who I think, for me, is um, was the best hitter in his era. Yeah. And yep. um, won a couple World Series with the Cardinals in, I think, 2006 and 2011. Yep. Yeah. Um, He's got you know three thousand career hits. He's six hundred home runs. I think so. His stats are really solid. I think he'll be in the Hall of Fame. And most of all, I think sort of for me anyway, one of two players on my list who symbolizes the way that baseball was changing in the two thousands, mm-hmm. bringing in more players from uh, international countries. I think mm-hmm. he's from the Dominican, mm-hmm. and um, and then just having people who are just really solid baseball players. Um, dominating the game for a period of time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to go on too long because that's also my pick. Oh, is uh, it? Yeah, oh. first base, Albert Pujols. Um, I think that some of it, honestly, comes from watching him this year. He's come to the Dodgers at the end of his career, and clearly he's not a shadow of what he was when I saw him first, which was in the early 2000s. I would go see the As Cardinals, a rival. The Cardinals so, and the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I love him as a character as well. He's a great character. He's a wonderful... I mean, mm. they have this whole persona for him uh, on the team now, Tio Alberto, which is Uncle Albert in Spanish. <laughs> and so he, he greets you know each home run with a hug. And he's just taken... I think to me what's what's been great about him is because you mentioned the numbers. You know, 679 home runs, two gold gloves on yeah. as well. So defensively, he was also very strong. Third all-time in runs batted in behind uh, two guys, Henry Aaron and Babe Ruth. So yeah. you're really in you're in all-time great territory with him. Um, the enormity of his career. I would have picked Lou Gehrig 10 years ago probably because first base has always been, in my imagination, Lou Gehrig's yeah. position. But I just think, like, kind of to your point, he just his rat. I remember one time he's radicalized the game in some ways. I remember one time seeing him hit a home run against the Houston Astros when Houston was still in the National League. It was in the NLCS, I think. And he just he hit the ball 900,000 feet. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was an unbelievable... Raw I mean, power. it just yeah. killed it, but, yeah. just, but just such a good hitter. And what you're seeing now with him is he can still hit. He's not... He, he knows how to hit smart. He'll put the ball into the holes when they're shifting on him and things like oh, that. That's, yeah. Unbelievable. So, yeah. That is also my pick. Um... Second base, Caroline. 
I have Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson. Yep. Um, he was the first African-American player mm-hmm. in the major leagues, for mm-hmm. all who do not know. Yeah. Um, he actually, baseball was actually his fourth preferred sport. Yes. He was a track star, <laughs> yeah. and then he was a football star, and then he was a basketball star. Mm-hmm. So, and then he came around to baseball because people with, like, great baseball talent, their talent just really can't be hidden. Mm-hmm. So, um, and his older brother actually won a silver medal in the Olympics. I think she was, like, a track star. Yeah, he was, um, yeah, track and field. When yeah. silver, Jesse Owens, who was a very famous sprinter, won the gold, and he won the silver. Yeah, and what else? He joined the he joined the U.S. Army in 1942, mm-hmm. and he signed with the Kansas City Monarchs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hated it. Yep. So he did not like. So they had to travel in buses. Mm-hmm. They would play double headers and night games, and they didn't have like the. I don't think they had the. Lights a lot. I don't know very. Probably much about some that. places they did some of because the, they would play in major league stadiums as well as, but yeah. Yeah, um, and then I don't remember a lot about what happened, but he met this guy called Branch Rickey, mm-hmm. um, who helped him get onto the Brooklyn Dodgers. Mm-hmm. They were in Brooklyn at the time, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and he was just he was a great player. Um, he wasn't very popular at first, mm-hmm. but I think that the team kind of warmed up to him. Mm-hmm. And um, he he was a man of extraordinary faith. Mm-hmm. He believed in God, and he just, like, he believed that God had not let him down this path to fail. So mm-hmm. I think that's just a real cool thing about mm-hmm. him. And, yeah, he was very fast. Yep. And... He's, he, he hit well. He had great defense. Just, like, he was a very good player. Yeah. Okay. David. Yeah. Okay, Second well, I, I had Jackie Robinson, too, so we're going to have some overlap here. Yeah. But I also did consider twin Rod Carew. Nice. Yeah? So I, I went with Jackie Robinson because if I had a team that I could watch play through history, I just can't imagine not wanting to see Jackie Robinson play on that team. Mm-hmm. And hitting, you could hit. Well, I'm going to say now run. before you go on, mine's Jackie Robinson as well. Oh, is so it? All so three of us pick Jackie Robinson, so we can just yeah. go ahead yeah. and, and talk Jackie Robinson. Then. <laughs> but he, I mean, as Caroline said, he could very fast, stole yeah. a lot of bases. Um, and so putting aside like the historic aspect of him playing and the legend yes. of Jackie Robinson, he also had five seasons where his slugging percentage was over 500. Mm-hmm. So he was hitting for power too, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just be fun to be fun to watch him play. So that mm-hmm. that's kind of the main reason I think I'd love to see him play. And the, yeah. and then the historic aspect of it's pretty amazing too. And obviously, um, he had a lot of self confidence to be the person to do that, and to yeah. not let it yeah. get to him to break the the barrier. Well, it certainly didn't get to him to the point where he couldn't perform, which right. would have been, you know, an enormous challenge. I mean, you have, uh, you know, he. Um, he changed baseball completely. I mean, and the issue is there that he brought the Negro League style of baseball to major leagues. So you had the segregation going on pre-1947, and the the game in the segregated league was very much a stolen base, scratch for runs, mm-hmm. and the major leagues was living in the shadow of Babe Ruth where it was all about the home run and station to station and when Jackie Robinson came to the Dodgers he was stealing bases so he, he 
led the league in stolen bases a couple times, uh, and he brought that style, which I think all of us can agree is a very exciting uh, style mm-hmm. of baseball. Home mm-hmm. runs are exciting, but when you're seeing, you know, a runner challenge the pitcher, that can be really exciting too. Um, and yeah, um, the this one was definitely the one where I didn't really look at stats much. I just I know that this is who I'd want and. And he looms large in the Dodger, uh, the Dodger story, and obviously in the Major League Baseball story. So, yep, he is mine. So, first rookie of the year in baseball history. Uh-huh. Yes, they created the award, and so it's now called the Jackie Robinson Award. So, just a fierce competitor, just one of those guys who would did not want to lose, and you want that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, shortstop. Oh, okay. So, shortstop. I had Honus Wagner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as many people may know, his baseball car- card is one of the rarest there is. Yeah. And the reason is because of that is um, he did not... So, I think it was, like, on the back of the cards or something. Mm-hmm. Or, like, so the you'd have the baseball card, but part of it would be, like, an ad for tobacco, mm-hmm. I think, or something like that. And so they print the baseball players' cards, but they were, like, associated with tobacco because that's what they helped advertise. Yeah. So, and Honus Wagner was strongly against tobacco, so he he had his them stop making his baseball card because he didn't want to, like, be associated with that or something. Yeah. I guess. So they just stopped making his baseball card, so now it's one of the rarest there is. There's like ten of them or something. Yes, every baseball card collector knows that that's oh yeah the I've most s- valuable. I've seen one of them. I saw one in person one time at one a baseball oh, card you? convention. Uh-huh. It was the one that the guys, uh, the owner of the Kings and Wayne Gretzky, uh-huh. back in the early he they bought one of them oh, at an auction <laughs> and they and they they showed it at this convention. I went based because I was huge into baseball cards when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. So why why was Honus Wagner so good? Like, uh-huh. This is. Because I know he has a valuable baseball card, but that's all yeah. I know. So what else do you know about him? Okay, well, he was he was a good player. Um, another fun fact about him that doesn't have anything to do with baseball, his real name is Johannes Peter Wagner. Huh. Uh, and people didn't actually start calling him Honus until after stays. I guess people just like the sound of that better. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a talented base runner. Mm-hmm. And he led the league in stolen bases five times and triples three times, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. And there really wasn't very, like, anything that he was bad at. Mm-hmm. Like, he won eight batting titles. He led the league multiple times in everything except for home runs because it was the dead ball era. Yeah. And they didn't really have home runs. Mm-hmm. And um, he did have a fiery temper. He'd, like, yell at the umpires, stuff like that. But he did, he treated other people, like, with respect. Mm-hmm. Oh. I've heard that, too, about him. Yeah. It feels like all the players in that era just spend most of the game yelling at the umpires. <laughs> That's true. Doesn't it? I mean, like, yeah. like Ty Cobb, yeah. and, like those players that or just like slashing people. They with mostly, their shoes. yeah, just like mostly, <laughs> mostly chewing tobacco and yelling at the umpires. Except yeah. he didn't have tobacco. Yeah, apparently not. How about you, Mr. David? Okay, shortstop. Shortstop. My shortstop is Calvin Jr. Ah, yes. Baltimore played 1981 Ooh. to 2001. Mm-hmm. Legendary player. Yes. And uh, has the record for most home runs hit as a shortstop. Mm-hmm. And the reason I selected him 
I have I did see him play. When he yeah. Played. But the reason I selected him is because I really think that he broke the mold for the modern shortstop. Yeah, he did. He was six totally. four and two hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Before that, most shortstops were guys named Pee Wee. <laughs> or shrimp or something. And there they was were a guy on the. There was a guy. Uh, there was a guy on the White Sox. Like, what was his name? Tiny. Like, yeah, yeah they're, exactly. all, they're all. All the like shortstops were like, yeah. you know, five feet eight, a hundred pounds. And then, so he, then Cal Ripken comes along. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, we can yeah. play him back a little bit. Yeah. He's got a strong arm. He started out playing third base, and he got moved to shortstop. Like. Almost as like a joke, because mm-hmm. Earl Weaver wanted to see what would happen, mm-hmm. and then they started asking him why he did it. And so Earl Weaver, who was a very stubborn manager for the Orioles, basically said, "I'm just going to leave him there." Mm-hmm. So he's going to leave him there, and he never quit. So he also has the record for most consecutive games. Yep, uh, two thousand six hundred and thirty-two games, and he also had um, the record for most consecutive innings. That's cool, but. It, the most native games, he broke Lou Gehrig's record. Ooh. So Lou Gehrig was before him. But um, So I think that that's why I chose him. I would love to see him. I think it's just fun to see a shortstop that can hit for power. Mm-hmm. And um, also somebody who's obviously a legend in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the one position I, I had the hardest time with in terms of coming to yeah. an answer. And... Um, I actually, to be frank with you, I have changed it within the last five minutes while I've been talking to you. You have? Yeah. And the w- where I'm going to land is, c- because I think of shortstops, maybe it's just because of where how I think of shortstops, uh, I'm going to go with somebody more classic, even though the, I, I thought about Honus Wagner, just because he, but I'm going to land on Ozzie Smith. Ah, uh, Ozzie Smith. Smith, the reason I think about that is, first of all, he became a really good hitter. He didn't start off. He started off like when he first played was really, really not a good hitter. But he became a great hitter. And I just remember watching when it was, I mean, I'll be honest, most of the time it was watching the Dodgers on television. If there was a ground ball to that side of the the field, forget about it. It was over. It didn't matter what it was. It was going to be an out because he was so good. Uh, And maybe some of it was also... The athleticism, the verve he brought to the game, going out, just the character that he that he was. But you know, and he and he and I say it, it hurts in some ways to put him on because he hit a huge home run against the Dodgers in the 1985 NLCS that broke my heart. Oh. But oh my gosh, he was he was he was he didn't amazing. hit a lot of home runs. He didn't. He was not a home yeah. run hitter. Yeah, he never never hit home runs. Yeah. That was what was so frustrating about it is like he never hit home runs, but he did. Yeah, he hit home run and. Um, Jack Buck uh, famously announced, yeah. go crazy, folks, go crazy, because yeah. Ozzie Smith had hit a home run and it never happened. So, he, so one thing about Ozzie Smith, and this is, I'll give you a statistic that I have for him. He's, so there's a stat called war, right? Wins, Wins above, above replacement. replacement. Yeah. So it basically measures how much better a player is than contemporaries, yeah. mm-hmm. but how much more, how many more wins mm-hmm. than they would have than mm-hmm. the average. His defensive war is forty four point two. Nobody else is even over forty. Yeah. So he's he so much fantastic. better defensively yeah. that he was always going to stop. Yep. So I mean, I just seriously, I I really just came up with that while we were talking. So who did you discard to take Ozzy? Honus Wagner. You did. Yeah. Oh. Another one that came up in my research that I didn't realize he was a shortstop, but apparently he was a shortstop most of his career. But he, because he had bad legs, he ended up moving to first. Is Ernie Banks. 
who I didn't realize he was a shortstop. So that was another person I considered when I was uh, researching. But yeah, it's funny because he's bigger too, right? Ernie Banks was. Yeah, and he had 500 home runs. So he was, you know. Okay, so the last position in the infield, we're not doing rovers or anything or whatever. Uh, Third base, what do you say, Caroline? I have Mike Schmidt. Okay. Um, Famous uh, third baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And like all of the players on my team, he was a very good player. Mm-hmm. And um, he won three Most Valuable Player awards, or MVPs, um, 10 Golden Gloves, which is, like, not nothing. And, <laughs> not um, nothing. And he led the league in slugging percentage five times and RBI four times. And he was not popular. The people of Philadelphia? <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. It's yeah. true. And actually, Philadelphia was the only team that was interested in him when he was in college because he was a bad hitter then. Mm-hmm. And he was, yeah, so the people of Philadelphia just didn't like him. I'm not entirely sure why, but they booed him <laughs> every time he came up. Mm-hmm. And it never really got any better. And <laughs> like, they never warmed up to him. And they'd <laughs> refer to him as Captain Cool because <laughs> he rarely showed emotion. Um, and actually, well, I think he was like giving his speech when he was going into the Hall of Fame or something, but he um, mentioned that the, the fans had made his life as miserable as possible. And when the fans heard that, they just started cheering. So. <laughs> Philadelphia fans. It's legendary. Yeah. Proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, David? For third base, okay, back to my current player. Vic. Your current player pick. Miguel Cabrera. Ooh. Oh. And third base was really hard for and me. And he hasn't played it? third in a while. No, he's currently playing first, first for, yeah. the, for the... But yeah, that's right. He did come up but, as a third. And he was good at third. Oh, he was excellent. And he... and he. So the thing about Miguel Cabrera, and again, this is my sort of maybe bias toward the way the game has been changing, but when he started playing, it was in 2003, he came up, I think he was a rookie on that Marlins team. Yep, he was. That won the World Series. Yep. And he could just hit anything. Oh, I know. And he's a guy who you watch. He's unbelievable. There are these stories about how he would, he would just figure out how to hit any pitch that somebody was mm-hmm. throwing by watching it. Mm-hmm. So, and that to me, hitting baseball has got to be the hardest thing to do athletically, mm-hmm. right? It's got to be one of the hardest things. To do. Mm-hmm. And him to just be able to watch and figure it out, and then hit it and hit for power. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and so I think he's he also he's got a 502 home runs. He just hit 500 um, home this year. Yeah, he had a triple crown, and I think yep. he was one of the only players uh, in the modern. I think he is the only player in the modern. Well, the last person to do the triple crown. Triple crown is home runs, RBIs, and average. You lead in those three. Was Carly Stremski. Right. So That's I mean, right. it's been so it was 40 years, 40, 50 years since the last time. Yeah, yeah, so it was fun. It's still fun to see him play. I mean, when the Tigers play the Twins, you can still go see him, but mm-hmm. he's obviously not as good now. He's on this... He's elderly. He's elderly. <laughs> but he's such a character, too. I mean, he's so funny. He's fun to watch. Yeah. He's really fun And again, you know, he's from Venezuela, and so he's like one of these, one of the character players from um, uh, Latin America, I think, mm-hmm. that have come into the game, and it's been really fun to see them yep. develop as the teams have started... Uh, finding players in that part of the world. Yeah, I went and saw the Twins play the Tigers, I think, a year or two ago, and I remember just thinking to myself, okay, you got to make sure you're watching here because this is, this is a legend, you know, because he really is great. Uh, I also pitch, picked Mike Schmidt, and I think 
for me, the reason I picked Mike Schmidt is I, I really remember watching him play a lot growing mm-hmm. up because I was I grew I was born in '75 and I think you know, I remember the Phillies being a really I mean they were the, the Phillies and Dodgers were at each other's throats a lot in the early '80s, late '70s. I mean they played each other in the NLCS like three or four times. The Dodgers beat them twice. The Phillies beat them once. Mm-hmm. And they were a scary team. They had a lot of great players. I mean, at that point, by the time I was going around in the early 80s, they had Pete Rose as well, who was still playing really good baseball at that time. You had Mike Schmidt. You had Larry Boa, who at that point, he he, he was just a really scrappy second baseman who didn't care about anything. And, <laughs> you know, all these other people. But I think the, the enduring image I have of Schmidt was uh, watching games on television and they played in a, a stadium called Veterans Stadium at that time in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and it was an AstroTurf stadium. And Mike Schmidt knew how to play that AstroTurf. And I remember watching him barehand, because you would get those choppers, and they yeah. were a lot more pronounced on the AstroTurf. And he, he could just barehand balls and, and just gun it to first. And so, I mean, along with all of the numbers that Caroline brought up, the 10-time gold gloves, the 500 home runs, I just remember kind of like with Ozzie Smith, I mean, if you can have a guy who can play that good a defense that also hits 500 home runs, I don't know. And Cabrera was like that, too, especially yeah, no, when he was younger. Um, you just don't know what else that you could really want from, from a third baseman. But third baseman, I remember hearing at one time that third base is the, is the least represented position in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so I think for whatever true. reason, it was, it was hard for me just, to find the third baseman. So, was, so to me, it's Schmidt. But yeah, I think Cabrera would be a good second second pick. All right, we are through the infield. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with our outfield. And we're back. I am sitting here in the conference room at Church of the Cross with. David and Caroline Aspen. We're having a great time talking about baseball. Um, for those of you who are interested more in music, then trust me, we're going to be back to the music soon, so don't panic. But maybe if you're not a baseball fan, yeah, just listen to some of your brothers and sisters in Christ chat about something they care about. Maybe you'll learn something. Yeah. Listen, you'll, you'll like so it. So we're going to go to the outfield now. Now, the outfield I had... I think it's harder because of how many amazing yeah. players there are. But I did, and so I... I'm not going to say I cheated on one of them, but I did move somebody who might have been classically more right fielder to left because I think he would he would play left pretty well. So I'm doing that. Um, so the first person I'm going to say is going to be my left fielder. Okay. And that is going to be Henry Aaron. Now, Henry He's Aaron. He's good at baseball. I know. Uh, Henry Aaron. Uh, <laughs> Looms large. I think, it, interestingly enough, you know, he didn't play on a team that won a lot of championships. So even though he is, you know, one of the top five greatest players ever, and we just lost him this year, uh, you know, he just passed away this year. So he's even maybe in some ways larger in the memory right now. Um, I think that uh, because he played in Milwaukee, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't think it's funny. It's hard to believe that anybody could hit 755 home runs and be yeah. sort of underrated. Under the radar. But yeah. it feels like that Henry Aaron always has been. And some of that was his own personality. He wanted to be – he was a quieter man and a humbler, kind uh, person. 
Um, but the thing that looms largest for me about Henry Aaron, because he stopped playing, uh, I think, a year or two before I was born, is uh, going back to my connection with the Dodgers. The Dodgers were the team that gave up his his record-breaking oh, really? home run, oh. 715th home run when he broke Babe Ruth's record. And Vin Scully, who is the who is the longtime Dodger broadcaster, has an absolutely gorgeous call of that home run. Uh, I cannot watch it without you know choking up because it is that great. It is beautiful. Um, so if you ever get a chance, I'll you know I'll link it with the podcast because it really yeah. is a little piece of of Americana. His call of that home run because Henry Aaron had endured you know death threats. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Like, over the off season because he played in in the South and he was uh, you know threatening the record of Babe Ruth and he got death threats because of his skin color uh, while he was doing it. And he went out and still did it. And it's hard to think about playing baseball as being an act of courage. But if you're Jackie Robinson mm-hmm. or Henry Aaron mm-hmm. uh, and you're dealing with some of the things they were dealing with, uh, that's what it is. So Henry Aaron is my pick for left field. Okay, good. That's a good good pick. I'm glad you picked him. <laughs> Who's um, yours, David? Mine is going to be highly controversial. <laughs> in this room, maybe. Because I've, the rest and, of the church people is like, in church, <laughs> church will be talking about this. Tell back by the I coffee. have a feeling I know who it is. It's Barry Bonds. I knew it! Yes, and when we started talking about that. Yeah, that's going to be very controversial who, with me. Who broke... Broken Aaron's, Aaron's record. record, yes. And so here I would like to introduce a statistic or a metric called OPS Plus, which is on yeah, base. explain to me what OPS okay. Plus is. I, I've heard of it, but I know what so OPS, OPS is. is I know what OPS is. on base is. percentage, sure. right? So the, the amount of time on base percentage. Mm-hmm. Slugging percentage is total bases, so it's on base, but it measures power. Is this the one that measures also, like, ballparks, too? Yeah, so okay. OPS yeah. Plus... Is it normalizes a player's OPS to adjust for other variables like park, like ballpark, drug use. Um, <laughs> the purpose of OPS Plus <laughs> is to compare players yes. against uh, against other players in their era. Yeah, normalized. Yeah. So, yeah. so for example, if they're much better, like so, the way to think about it is one hundred. Is the average? Yes. So every number above or below 100 reflects how much better they are than average or yeah. worse than average. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the uh, number three OPS plus ever, Barry Bonds at 182. Uh-huh. He is controversial because yes. and is not in the Hall of Fame because of his. Um, performance enhancing drug use. Yeah. But yep. of course everyone knows everyone knows that he was amazing before that. Right? Yes. He played from nineteen eighty six to two thousand and seven. Part of the shame of the fact that he, he did what he did is because he was Well during that good. era before before anyone was talking about steroids, he was automatic for thirty home runs oh, yeah. stolen bases. Oh yeah. Roughly. Yeah. It was just an amazing player. Great in the outfield eight gold gloves um, but then what he did during that time period between 2001 and 2004 which was again kind of after prime time yeah, PED was, era yeah, right because yeah. the 1998 99 was like when most players were but he did um, it in reaction to that that was the, yeah that, that, but, that, it, if, but it's not like that, that may be true and mm-hmm. it's, I'm certainly not going to say he wasn't using and it. by the way I'm not saying you should I mean he is He's the best left fielder of all time. 
Here's if you really think about it. Because Andrew Aaron was a right fielder. In, one, in the one year, right? 2001 was his record-breaking season. 73 home runs. 73 home runs. Then after that, they just stopped pitching to him. Yeah. And two, he walked. He had two hundred ba- He had an intentional walks. walk one time with the bases loaded. Yeah. The D-backs they, walked in with the bases loaded. So Because they just didn't want to pitch him with the bases loaded. <laughs> uh, we went to see him play instead. in August of 2004. Yeah. Uh, Jen and I were in San Francisco, yeah. and I really wanted to see him, see yeah. the Giants, partly just because I wanted to see him. Yeah. And we went to the game, and they intentionally walked him three times. <laughs> <laughs> the I next saw, day, I, I wasn't there. Him, he hit two home runs. I saw but, him play a lot. Yeah, uh, a lot. Yeah. He, you know, the Dodgers and Giants would play each other, you know, twenty times a year. Um, and so I saw him play a lot of times. But we were talking before the uh, He was very popular in Los Angeles. They loved him. The, <laughs> <about> the, <laughs> we all uh, loved him. About the, you know, the villain. Because yes. you mentioned uh, Carlos Correa kind of yes. playing the role of the yes. villain for the Astros. Now, I mean, Bonds, you, I think he just didn't care that people didn't like him. Yeah, well, and I think... Played you know, and that. here's the thing about Barry Bonds that I always... I have two, like memories about him one was I saw him in a home run at Wrigley Field in 92 so he was on the Pirates that point okay so early in his career and then probably 15 16 years later um I saw him rob a home run uh, from Paul Mm -hmm. off Paul LaDuca's bat at Dodger Stadium and we all watched at that point he must have been 36 37 and he was still just that good. Yeah. He was so good. It was so good. It was so just easy to dislike at some for some reason. But right. you could not help but just marvel. I can't think of anybody that looked prettier hitting a home run. Except maybe Ken Griffey Jr. But he, Barry Bonds. I mean, just to I mean, go back just, to the stat for a minute, the OPS plus, he's at 182, third all time. Yeah. So think about what that means. He's... 82 points higher than average mm-hmm. as a player. I mean, just so assuming that everybody was using PEDs, which is kind of the allegation. Yeah, and that's one of the right? reasons he was he, way yeah. better than everybody yeah. else using it. So. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was that good before all of that. That was the, I mean, he didn't start, you know, using those substances until Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were hitting 60 home runs, and he's like, well, forget this. Yeah, I'll show you guys. And yeah. he, and he did. <laughs> well, it was I. I wanted on my team. It's yeah. controversial. I just think he'd be too much, you know, problem in the clubhouse. Well, we have some we have some management issues on the team uh, for sure. Yeah. There's some work that we have to do. Yeah. yeah. Who's yours, Caroline? Who's left field? Uh, mine is not the sort of person you want to have in your clubhouse. <laughs> I have Ted Williams. Oh, oh man, Ted, Ted, yeah, Ted Williams and Barry Bonds in the same clubhouse would have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I'll start with the good stuff. Yeah. He was a great hitter. His batting average was 400. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he joined he the Army for a while, and he didn't play for, I don't know, he didn't play for like a couple of years. And he came back, and he mentioned that he was rusty, and he needed to like warm up. So they started throwing it to him, and he just started like ripping singles and mm-hmm. then home runs. And he was just, like, that just, just kind of showed how good he was. Mm-hmm. He's really good. Um... He did have a few problems, though. He he liked to brag. He'd, like, walk up, like, um, when reporters were interviewing him, he'd just start talking about, like, his plans for the future, like how he planned to beat, was Babe Ruth around then? Um, I don't know. He was still alive. Yeah. Yeah, he was still but alive. how he, like, planned to break all these records mm-hmm. and how awesome he was. 
Um, he might have done it if he hadn't lost so many years to the military. Yeah. In his prime. And he, I will add this for you, Caroline. He was, he is number two on the all-time OPS plus. Does Babe yeah. Ruth number one? Yes. Actually, Spoiler. But it was 190. Luke Gehrig's mm-hmm. number four, but he was 190, mm-hmm. so he was 90 points better. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, else. yeah, he was, I, yeah. Plus he, um, he had like a, you know, for everything, he was obsessive about hitting. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, mm-hmm. just like to the point where he wouldn't, he didn't drink alcohol because, I mean, a lot of people don't, so it's not that weird, but <laughs> it was because of his hitting. Yeah. Was, yeah. You know, it wasn't, you know, like some sort of moral thing. It was just, he didn't want to be a disrupt his, anything that would disrupt Whereas Babe Ruth, yeah. you know, it's like the more he you drank, have, yeah, the better he hit. <laughs> 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 but also the thing about Ted Williams is that um, he had a swearing problem. <laughs> he was, he was I like I like to refer to him as the Prince of Profanity. Mm-hmm. He was. He would line balls at fans. Yeah. I don't know if he did that like if he was doing it like that or if he was literally. Yeah. Pitcher was his. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So not a super nice guy. Yeah. Two kind of two fun him. things about Ted Williams though. Two fun things about Ted Williams. That's really fun. One, finally, like in 1999, when they had the All Star Game at Fenway Park, they brought him back and he tipped his cap to the crowd because he refused to tip his cap. Yeah, because they were the booing him because much they didn't like him. Hmm. Super popular in Boston, a really loving town towards yeah. baseball. Yeah, right, right. And then the other one that was is that during his Hall of Fame speech, um, he made a special point. To, to ask the Hall of Fame to somehow include those who had been excluded because of race during mm-hmm. his Hall of Fame speech. And it's seeming like kind of like not right. the I kind of that. thing yeah. that you would think of as Ted Williams. So he'd go up there and say, I'm the greatest hitter of all time. But he chose that moment to, you know, and that was before there were any of the, of the Negro League players in the Hall of Fame. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, ends up being a nice moment. But yeah, that's a good pick, though. Oh yeah, Thank you. A, you can't really go wrong. With I feel Tim like Reeves. between the three of us, we covered left field really well. But Barry Bonds, Henry Aaron, and Ted Williams. Yeah, <laughs> like there's not a lot of argument. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe you say. I like, mean Barry Bonds. Is not a, yeah, Barry Bonds is is. Yeah, I mean, it's he can't argue with with the greatness there. Yeah. Center field. Uh, I'm gonna go with Willie Mays, Barry Bonds' godfather. Yes. Oh. Uh, yes. So, but Willie Mays, you know, the, I think for me, you know, hit 660 home runs. Yeah. Um, amazing hitter, amazing just character in the game, but just the defense, the the ability to run the ball down, the ability, and also a 30 home run, 30 home uh, stolen base threat would would always, always yeah. get you know 30 you know home runs 30 stolen bases you know some people in baseball thought that he intentionally wore a size too big on his cap so it would fly off when he going around the <laughs> you know the bases um i remember uh when Vin Scully the uh, longtime Dodger announcer retired uh, his last broadcast was at uh, Oracle Park in San Francisco, and I don't know if it was his request or if the Giants just did, but they had Willie Mays go join him in the box because oh, cool. that was Will, uh, Vin Scully's all-time favorite player. Um, he 
he just brought such a, an amazing talent as well as intelligence to the game, uh, being able to steal signs, being able to do all the things that, you know, and I've always never thought of anybody else as a center, as the center fielder in my mind than Willie Mays. So that would be my center fielder. I also chose Willie Mays, so. All right. Based on research. But here, a couple things. One, local angle on Willie Mays, who played for the he Minneapolis Millers. Played for Millers the Minneapolis Millers, that's the, true. Yeah. Very briefly before they called him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, so they, they say that he could have stolen way more bases if he had known that it was a stat that mattered to people. Mm-hmm. Right? He just had, was like the best athlete there mm-hmm. and was like a center mm-hmm. fielder. Yeah. And the one thing that, so researching center field, I found this video about the catch, right? The yeah. 1954, 1954 World, World Series, Series catch. And, and what you've kind of heard about and everybody knows about, but it's like, it, this is a really interesting video. Maybe you can link to it because it shows how impressive it actually was. He had to run like two miles. Yeah, and there's like, there's like less than 2% chance of yeah. somebody catching this yeah, ball yeah. in the polo grounds, which is was a weird stadium. Yeah. And then and then making a throw back to hold the runner mm-hmm. in the World Series, which they ended up winning easily. Yeah. But um, for all the reasons you mentioned, I, mean, I think it's just a really you know, sort of legendary player that you, yeah. I'd love to see play. Yeah, totally. Yep. Okay, so um, I have Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. He is not Willie Mays, but he he is is Ken Griffey Jr. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, he was um, popular, Yes, I think. Um, I believe that he wore earrings. Or like studs. One of the first, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. yeah. Which wore his cap cool. backwards. Yeah, his like run derby. trademark hat. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and kind of one of the players during the era of performance enhancing drugs has avoided any suspicion, really. Yep. That he used anything and was still mm-hmm. a home run leader. And, and I think that yeah. the thing about that that is important is that one of the things not. We tend to think of it because of the fact that it makes your play better. What I think the other angle that Griffey never benefited from is how it healed your body quicker. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Griffey would have, if he had been healthy, he would have done more. He would be the home, all-time home run champion yeah. if he had yeah. stayed healthy. Yeah. And yeah. a real, like, and a great defender. I mean, I remember oh, watching fantastic. him play defense. And that's why he was always hurt, because he would do things that wall. were just really, yeah. like Byron Buxton. Yeah. Byron Buxton. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but, and we all... Byron Buxton, the center fielder for the Twins, who is an amazing center fielder, but cannot stay healthy because he runs into walls and other things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, Ken Griffey Jr., for people of my age yep. and era, know his rookie baseball card. Which we all pursued like it was going to be worth millions. I do have one of them. Do you have one of them? Everybody does. Because it's worth exactly the same as when I bought it in 1990 or whatever. How much did you buy it for? 20 bucks or something. Yeah, I think that's what I did. And I I bought it and I was like, this is going to pay for my college. Yes. This is a great investment. (laughs) It's worth exactly the same. Because they made so many of them. Yeah. And then scarcity is not a thing. People would be surprised that you paid $20 for a piece of cardboard. But it was a valuable piece of cardboard. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It really was. I thought it was a great deal. Yeah. So I'm sure it was. fantastic. I was at, in the hot dog line in Anaheim when Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. went back-to-back, hit back-to-back oh, cool. home runs. I was at Anaheim Stadium that night. 
and I was in you didn't see us. line for a hot dog. During both of them? <gasps> During both of them. You wanted a hot dog bad. If it's something I just went to get a hot dog. I didn't think I was going to miss like an all-time historical moment. Yeah. So I saw it on the screen. Above, that does, you know. I mean, <laughs> is that the only time that's ever happened? I think so. Father and son hitting back-to-back. I think father and son being an all-star game together has happened. Or, no, who are also all-stars. Okay. Has happened a few times. But in the same position. Anything else on Griffey? Uh, Any other tidbits? Caroline? I guess from what I've read about him, he's a very fun player to watch. He was Wonderful. fantastic. I got to see him a few times, and he was he was a joy to watch. We must have the same right field there. I don't think so. Wait. What's yours? Let's go with yours first. Oh. Who's your right fielder? Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. Not mine. Really? Yeah. Is yours Babe Ruth? Yeah. Yeah. So you have a team of the best baseball players of all time. I do. And it doesn't include Babe Ruth. It's pretty weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Some would question the Yeah, he's the best player of all time, but I don't have him on my, my team. And I think the reason I didn't was because of what I mentioned earlier. There was I, I said something to you earlier that all of my picks are post-integration. Oh, that's, that's right. Okay, so so now that doesn't mean that I don't think but you that said except one. I was going to have Hans Wagner, yeah. but I changed it in the middle of the show. Um, Babe Ruth is the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest player Play, to play baseball, but I I thought of somebody else that I just would rather have in right field, not only because of how great a hitter he was, but how great defensively he was. But why don't you talk about Babe Ruth for a little bit before I give away mine? Okay, well, you can go first if you want to. If you want to Roberto play. Clemente. Oh, yeah. Uh, 3,000 no 3, hits, um, ferocity of play. And on a personal note, my mother's favorite player growing oh, up. Oh, really? She, my mother grew up in Western Pennsylvania, a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. And um, so Roberto Clemente has always loomed large in my imagination. And from what I understand, uh, once hit a line drive off Bob Gibson of the St. Louis Cardinals so hard that it broke Bob Gibson's leg. Eesh. Just a... Just <laughs> a uh, a fierce competitor hits the ball. Could hit the ball off the scoreboard at Wrigley Field one time. Was not known as a home run hitter per se, but could still hit the ball. And then a humanitarian. He he died young. You know, su- you know, helping you know earthquake victims in Nicaragua. Yeah. Uh, he was a Puerto Rican player who came up and was proud of his heritage and played the game competitively even. Though the Pirates many times were not in the first division, as you would think. Mm-hmm. They weren't great. Uh, and then in 1971, he, he had won a title in 1960, uh, famously, the, when the Pirates beat the New York Yankees on a walk-off home run by Bill Mazeroski. He was on that team. But then in 1971, towards the end of his career, he was the MVP of the World Series in uh, against the... Um, I believe it was the Baltimore Orioles. I think they might have played the Orioles in 71. Anyway, but he played just amazingly. Hit a couple home runs, played an amazing series, and won the MVP. And then, unfortunately, in that offseason, passed away unexpectedly. So, yep, that's my right yes. feeling. But I can't, ever argue with, I can't argue with Babe Ruth, but that, that would be my argument. <laughs> So talk to about well, Babe Ruth. Babe why why is Babe Ruth more than just a caricature of this big dude? Why is he so good? Because he, he changed the era. Yes. He's, he shifted 
out of the Deadball era. Do you want to talk about the Deadball era for a minute? I know uh, it's it's essential to the Bay Roots story. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So Deadball era was a period I can't remember how long. I think it ended in like 1920, 1921. Mm-hmm. And it started in like what early 1900s? Yeah. Maybe. And it was this um, period of time in baseball where. Um, it was like there were like a very there's a very low number of hits. Like home runs were incredibly rare because of the ball. And part of the reason was they would use the ball over and over and over again. Like they would, it would be thrown maybe like a hundred pitches, and you know they had like more tighter budgets back then. So if you hit the ball into the stands the fans were required to throw it back. Mm-hmm. And all of that use made the ball really, like, soft. Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't go very far. Mm-hmm. And I guess that, like, they just, like, the wrapping inside the ball was just looser. Looser, yeah. Yeah, so it, and it didn't go as far. And also, like, the pitchers, like, spitball hadn't been outlawed yet. Yeah. So they'd, like, spit they on it. just do whatever they wanted. Discolor yeah. it. <laughs> so hitters couldn't actually see it because they didn't have any lights in the stadiums. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so hits and home runs, very low numbers, um, and yeah, so that's the cool thing about Babe Ruth. He, he like, so he just sort of transitioned baseball out of the dead ball era. And some of it was not his choice, it was like somebody had unfortunately died of getting hit by a pitch because it was so hard to see the ball. Yeah. And so they started replacing the ball a lot more often, and so when ba- and it just happened to coincide with when Babe but came out. But that's not to suggest that he wasn't amazing. Oh yeah, because Absolutely. in 1919, which I think was still the dead ball era technically, yeah. 1919 he hit 29 home runs. Mm-hmm. Nobody else in the 20th century had hit even 25 mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. So he, I mean, he just then 1920 they get a new ball. He, he hit 50, 54 yeah, yeah. runs. And so yeah. just, I mean, just to think about how much better he was than everybody else. I wrote down some notes here. In two different seasons, he hit more home runs <laughs> by himself like than any other team yeah. put together. Yeah. He, he himself accounted for 15% of all of the home runs in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even just comparing to like Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds never was yeah. more than 2%. Of all yeah, of them. So he was the first change. player to hit 30 home runs, 40 home runs, 50 home runs. Uh, it just was so was he much the first one to hit 20? better. Somebody else had hit 20. Somebody else had hit like 24 at some yeah. point, I think. I don't, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. He, and his OPS Plus, to go back to OPS Plus, 206. Mm-hmm. So twice Well, and we haven't even else. gotten into the fact that up until 1920. 1919, 1920, he was a pitcher. Yeah. So I think the thing that is always the end of the argument for me about the greatest ball player ever with Babe Ruth is just the fact that he was one of the best pitchers in the 19-teens. He He was an amazing pitcher. 29 consecutive scoreless innings in the World Series as a pitcher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he was – and there are stories of him coming back and pitching a game or two for the Yankees, and he was still – Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, nobody looms larger than Babe Ruth, and and you know you get a guy like Shohei Otani. It'll be interesting to see what yeah. his career does, uh, pitcher and DH for the Angels. If he's able to continue, then you might start to have a conversation about somebody being 
But that would have to be he'd have to have a long and great career like Ruth. So because yeah, there's nobody else just, like him. And it's it's just so interesting to me to think about him as being so dominant mm-hmm. when you watch old videos of him playing mm-hmm. or see his picture and he just looks like <laughs> like a beer league softball guy. Yeah. Just kind of meandering yeah. out there. And I wonder if some of that might be that it's just not as much footage when he was a young, slender kid. Because I think that you, might be, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's like 1920 and 1918 when he's young, and there's not a lot of footage left from that. Every now and then... Someone in baseball will interview like a current major leaguer uh-huh. about like how great Babe Ruth was, right? And you'll have like these pitchers that'll just be like, "I'm gonna strike that guy out every time." <laughs> like he barely barely walks up to the plate. So, but then the thing is, it kind of surprised me that they put him in right field because you know he's like a big guy, not mm-hmm. super fast, so he's not gonna cover a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. But, but I think he was kind of fast back then. When he was young. Yeah. yeah. When he was young. And most of his, I mean, he split time, I would say, between center field and right field. And when he came up, running was a lot more part of the game. Yeah. Because we talk about, I talked about Jackie Robinson. The reason Jackie Robinson changed the game is because it had been the Babe Ruth era. But before yeah. Babe Ruth started hitting home runs, it was more of a runner's game. That's why Ty Cobb stole 900 bases in his so career. It was a small ball game yeah, because nobody hit home runs. So, anyway. All right, we are done with the outfield. We're going to take it one more break, and then we'll talk about our pitchers before we wrap up. back and we are enjoying talking baseball here we hope you're enjoying it too hope this isn't just the three of us we hope that those of you, you don't out keep there track of listenership in. do you you don't i don't know i don't know how i should, should, should so wouldn't it be amazing if this podcast actually was the broke leader? records yeah yeah if we got if this is what finally launched me in the superstar do you think like in the, in, in, everyone's in been listening to the music podcast and they've been like when will they do something when are different? they gonna do baseball when will they just pivot into baseball so we're going to go now to the most important two defensive, the, the, the big defensive positions, but the most important defensive position not being the pitcher, in my opinion, is the catcher. Um, and I understand the two of you have the same catcher. Yes. Yes. So who, who is your catcher? Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench, Cincinnati Reds, big red machine, 60s, yep. 70s, early 80s. Yep. And I will say picking a catcher was hard for me. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like kind of fun catchers out there. But and hard to know what makes the best catcher. So Carolyn, yeah. please tell them why we chose Johnny Bench. Well, um, I have a fun story about him from his youth. Hmm. Um, he was twelve years old, I think, and he got a C in his school in penmanship. And so his whole life, he'd known that he was going to be a baseball player. And for him, this was like the end of the world because. Mm-hmm. First of all, he was a perfectionist, so, like, C wasn't acceptable for him. Mm-hmm. And second of all, how are people going to read his autograph? <laughs> so he, he spent <laughs> time, he perfected his autograph, uh-huh. like, made each letter the same size, and he added, like, a couple flourishes, the J and the B, just to, like, make his mark, you know? Um, and, Yeah. And he oh, was that is a nice autograph. I'm looking at it on my computer. That's a pretty sweet looking. Uh, he really did get that going. Yeah. And he had massive hand, right? Couldn't he hold like ten baseballs? Like three bowling hands? balls. Yeah, he just had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. I think he did. I had, yeah, he's a. Yeah. 
and a great hitter. I mean, defensively he was fantastic, but he was a great hitter. And what, where did he, where did he end up coming in on like war and stuff like that in, with his hitting? Yes, I can tell you. If, sorry, I closed my okay. notes on this, but um, he. 389 home runs, mm-hmm. war of 75. Mm-hmm. So pretty good. Probably highest of, war of a catcher, I would for imagine. For catchers, yeah. And um, he was just, I think, just generally considered one of the best defensive catchers out there. So if you would have a catcher, yeah. right, you can be your guy. Yeah. And one thing about him was that um, one thing that just shows how good it, is, it was was um, I think he was playing in the minor leagues for – in a town called the Newport News. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the outfield, there was a sign that said, hit a homer here, win a free suit. And Johnny Bench hit 10 homers there. Mm-hmm. And he got 10 free suits. There you go. <laughs> yeah, he, and speaking of what I mean, he would routinely lead the league in intentional walks, hit 45 home runs one year, 10 gold gloves, yeah, most home runs for a catcher ever. And a fantastic spray paint spokesman. Great spray. Yeah. yeah, he had, like, what was the thing? Yeah, he, did, he, did he used to do, like, the Saturday afternoon baseball and baseball bunch? Yeah, didn't he? Wasn't oh, he no, I don't remember. I, I know that, yeah, I, I remember seeing him play a few times when he was, when I was a kid because he would, you know, he was still playing. Okay. When, when the, I just, I mean, really, my memory of those big red machine guys was almost all, like, just after they've been done playing, mm-hmm. doing announcing, yeah, and things. So I think yeah. that's yeah. I mean, I remember you know, those were teams that I saw you know the end of in the early eighties when when I would go to games. So I remember George Foster and Johnny Bench. Mm-hmm. I remember the thing I remember about Johnny Bench. Honestly, again, going back to broadcaster Vin Scully, he would always talk about how Johnny Bench was the only guy that he could remember seeing who could consistently backhand balls. Oh, yeah. Without having to go and get in front of it, like a, most catchers have to, be, to be able to block a bitch in the dirt, they have to be able to, to scoot over and block it with their chest protector. But Johnny Bench could consistently always do it just with the backhand. <laughs> so uh, my catcher, Johnny Bench, was definitely the one that I would say if I was just going with you know, you know, objectively, I would have picked. I ended up picking Yogi Berra. Yeah. Um, now Yogi Berra, for a couple things about him. He won 10 World Series rings, uh, all-time most uh, of anybody uh, as a player. And then he won, like, three more as a coach. So he has 13 – he had 13 World Series rings. <laughs> but Yogi Berra, obviously, some of that is, is is good fortune. He was on the Yankees during a time when they had – when they won practically every year. But to his war, wins above replacement we were talking about earlier, is 59.6. He hit 358 home runs. Yeah. Um, he had 2,150 hits. And those things, for those of you who aren't baseball fans, are all extremely impressive if you're a catcher. Um, if you're an outfielder, that's impressive. Hitting 350 home runs is great no matter who you are. But uh, most of the people who are the, the greatest uh, home run hitters are outfielders or maybe first basemen. So and the catcher, the catching position puts so much wear and tear on the body that being able to hit 350 home runs in your career and win 10 World Series rings is is amazing. Plus, he won the MVP, you know, three or four times, and one of the great characters in, yes. in baseball. Yes, well, do you have history. a favorite Yogi Berra-ism? Um, <laughs> 
I've, sometimes I, I can't remember which ones are Casey Stengel's and which ones are Yogi Berra's. Because <laughs> my favorite Casey Stengel one is uh, There Comes a Time in Every Man's Life, and I've had plenty of them, which yeah. doesn't really mean. <laughs> yeah. Yogi Berra's, I think the one that uh, I've always loved that I remember being attributed to him was... Um, Nobody goes to that restaurant anymore because yeah. it's too crowded. It's too crowded. Nobody goes <laughs> yeah, that's one right. of the, the most popular is that ninety percent of the game is half mental. Or it ain't over till it's over. I think is, is a Yogi Berra, oh, which is like. which is a really famous one. But yeah, just a great character of the game. Also, a left-handed hitter. Uh, catchers yes. don't tend to be left-handed, yeah. um, and so you get a guy who can hit from the left side of the plate. Pretty cool. So now we go to the most probably important position, I guess, especially defensively, and that's the pitcher. And so the pitcher has the ball more than anybody else in the game. The focus is on the pitcher. So why don't we talk about our lefty and righty pitchers, each of us, and then we'll talk about our reliever. And I understand you two have the same reliever. Yeah, well, we, Carolyn and I, being Twins fans, we understand that a relief pitcher, a closer especially, is a luxury item. Yeah, so yes. with the, the twins have had trouble with that with three years. The way the podcast works, we consider that to be our luxury pick. Yeah. <laughs> so um, my starting pitchers, one lefty, one righty. My right-handed pitcher is Satchel Page. Now, no. now interestingly enough, Satchel Page it does not what? Right? It's mine too. Oh, is it good? Well, Satchel Page it, he, still pitching. You know, pitches as a rookie when he's in his mid forties. Because he had spent his entire career. Um, He's 42 the, years old. Yeah, um, but just by all accounts, an amazing pitcher. Most of his statistics, of course, before he was allowed finally to come into the mm-hmm. the uh, the major leagues, were you know are kind of sketchy in terms because the statistics for those leagues were not as well kept, but um, was still came up and was pitching amazingly. And the legend just looms large enough that I can't think of anybody else that I would want as my right-handed pitcher. Even though Walter Johnson and Christy Mathewson and, you know, I would never pick Roger Clemens for other reasons. But there's those right-handed pitchers that are fantastic. But I, I so, so you landed there, the too. The reason I picked Satchel Page was because I just would want to see how much of it is is true, you know, yeah. so much of Satchel yeah. Page yeah. because he had to play at the time he did is legend. Yeah, and do you and I mean the the stories it's such a about sad, him. It's such a sad legacy of our of the way things went. Why can't we have seen him pitch against Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig? And why couldn't we have seen him pitch against Ted Williams? And wouldn't it have been great to see footage of Satchel Page striking out Ted Williams? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, you like, know, it's like the. His, I mean, the he was the interesting thing about him. I think from research is how he seemed to change as a pitcher with maintaining this reputation for being unhittable. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when he started, he was throwing was probably 100 miles an hour. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then over time developed a slider. I think these brains is having the best slider mm-hmm. of his time, as well as mm-hmm. curveballs and everything else. He would use this like hesitation pitch mm-hmm. to kind of like change the the timing for people and so just all that stuff to think about like man I'd love to see him pitch so yeah amazing. Caroline um, right handed pitcher I do not have Satchel Page. you don't amazing as he is so I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast but I said that all of my players are in the Hall of Fame except for one is in a different Hall of Fame and you did mention this that this is my 
And so my pitcher is Jean Fout. Mm-hmm. Um, she is in the National Women's Hall of Fame. Uh huh. Was she in the um, uh, All American Girls League? In yes. Forties and fifties. She was, and actually, um, I read somewhere that she's the only player, man or woman, to throw two perfect games in a career. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there in that league there were only like five perfect games, I think, and two of them were hers. So Which team did she play for? She played for the South Bend Blue Sox. Okay. Um, I've heard the name. Yeah. I've heard the name. And her most durable... So, I'd like to mention, um, back then, in their league, um, you there were no relief pitchers. The mm-hmm. pitcher, I think they like they just pitched through the whole game, as mm-hmm. far as my knowledge goes. And um, so, her most durable performance was on July 31st. She beat the Bells in 22 innings. Um, <laughs> she pitched the whole game. Yeah, I think 23 so. Innings. <laughs> 22 innings. Uh, she gave up 16 hit, hits, walked five, struck out 11, and she contributed two hits because they did not have a DH. Um, so yeah, there's a league still now that doesn't have a DH, yeah. from what I understand. Oh, sometimes yeah. you have to watch pitchers strike out. Yeah. <laughs> well, she got hits. Well, that's a great pick, Caroline. I appreciate yeah. you bringing the All-American Girls League into it. That's awesome. Great pick. Yeah. What about your left-hander? Who's your left-hander? My left-hander is Sandy Koufax. Me too! No! Yay! Me too! Yeah. Tell me about why you would pick Sandy Koufax. I pick Sandy Koufax um, because he is a... Well, he's left-handed. Yeah. And he's just a great, great pitcher. Mm-hmm. He's beat the Twins in yes, 1965. Yeah. But he was still very great. He mm-hmm. um, grew up in a Jewish family. Yeah. Who, I think they, they like, they discouraged him from mm-hmm. playing baseball. They thought it was, like, craziness mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then his dad saw him pitch in a mm-hmm. Sandlot game and completely changed his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was that good. And honestly, like, I've heard, like, from what I've read, he was just, like, just watching him blew your mind. Mm-hmm. Just the way that he threw the ball. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, like, um, like Jackie Robinson, he, baseball's not his first sport, mm-hmm. I don't think. Basketball was his first yeah, sport. Yeah, he was a basketball player. Yeah. And then he was coaxed into joining the Cincinnati College baseball team. Mm-hmm. And he threw mostly wild pitches, but he threw so hard <laughs> that the scouts saw him, and they were like, wow, we want this guy on our team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I have a really good biography of his, if you'd like to read it. Cool. It's really good. It's written, it was actually written with his consent. He didn't He didn't agree to be interviewed because that he just doesn't do stuff like that. Um, but it's really good. And it, it takes, like, it, like, follows his life and bookends it with his perfect game that he threw in 1965. So, like, you have a chapter where it goes through the first inning of the perfect Mm. game, and Mm. then they write about the first part of his life, and it goes into the second. And it's, like, all this stuff that's... Because he threw four um, no-hitters, perfect game being one of them. Uh, For me, nobody looms larger, perhaps, than Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson looms larger, and as a a huge Dodger fan... um, Nobody looms larger except Jackie Robinson, except uh, Sandy Koufax. Um, I, I did not um, ever see him play, unfortunately, because he retired in 1966. Um, but I, uh, I've always uh, just heard just about how great he was. My father grew up watching him. 
Um, there was a time, I can't remember what year this was, but I think it was probably early 90s. We went to a old-timers game at Dodger Stadium, my dad mm-hmm. and I. And for some reason, they had figured out a way to have, because for a while he didn't go, attend any Dodger events because he did not care for the News Corps who owned Fox because Fox owned the Dodgers and they had printed some things about him that he didn't care for. <laughs> and so he, did, he, he, he boycotted any Dodger activity. But this was before that. And he, um, he was going to be one of the two starting pitchers. And you knew he was going to come out and throw, like, two pitches. Uh-huh. Um, but they were introducing the entire lineup. You know, have Steve Garvey comes out and, you know, all the other, you know, Johnny Roseborough, all these different old Dodger players. And the time came to introduce Sandy Koufax. And my dad stood up and started applauding before they even started, like, uh, you know, Going through his, you know, his resume or whatever. And by the time they got to introduce him, the entire crowd was on its feet, standing ovation for Sandy Kovacs. So that's the one time I saw him pitch. So you did see him pitch. Yeah, in an old-timers game. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, and he he has come. and, And one other thing I remember at the time, and this shows you how large he loomed in my imagination, about 12 years ago, there was a young pitcher coming up for the Dodgers named Clayton Kershaw, who uh, <laughs> has gone on to be an amazing guy. And Joe Torre was the manager of the Dodgers at that time. And he said, I think this guy could be you know, Sandy Koufax. Yeah. And I was like, nobody's going to be Sandy. And yeah. it's kind of turned out that he's been almost as good. Not as good, but pretty darn good. And more longevity because Sandy had to retire very young because he yeah. had a, a bad elbow. Yeah. And the, like, the really admirable thing about him was he, like, he played most of his career through pain. Yep. Because he, like, I think or it was mostly his, yeah, he had arthritis in his elbow, but then, like, like his, like, shoulder joint and, like, finger joints weren't working quite right. And, you know, he had, like, bombs he could put on them and he had mm-hmm. to take, like, shots and ice his elbow. But, like, really, he just had to mostly play through pain, which is so cool because he was such a good player. Mm-hmm. Yet he just pushed through Worst hitter, though, of all time, to your point about oh, really? Really, I get yeah. one of the worst hitting pitchers of all in baseball. <laughs> Who's your lefty, David? Randy Johnson. Yeah? Not uh, a bad pick. Randy Johnson. Another I guy I saw pitch. To I watch definitely pitch. saw him pitch. Yeah, yeah. At his, at his peak, he is six foot Scary, ten, scary guy. Massive pitcher <laughs> and just really durable. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy pitched into his 40s. I think uh-huh. he pitched into his He pitched 45. a perfect game, I think. Wasn't he 40 when he pitched his perfect yeah, game? Yeah, and he, he had... So he won 300 games. Yeah. Which I don't think anyone will do again. I don't Maybe. think so. I mean, but I don't, I don't think... think so. I mean, just... Not the way the game's played. The way... And, and no one... I mean, it wasn't for left-handers not common until then. He was second all-time with uh, 4,875 strikeouts. First all-time, actually, if, if we were drafting and you drafted Satchel Page, I'd draft Nolan Ryan for my other right-handed pitcher because mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. the strikeouts. Um, that's who he's second to. Um, and he's has the highest war out of every other left-handed pitcher. Also, little-known stat, he's fifth all-time with career hit by pitches. 190 <laughs> times he hit somebody with his pitch. Which People, wouldn't be very uh, fun. And then the other four, by the way, out of him were all dead ball pitchers. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like yeah, you don't... Pretty vicious pitcher. So he was a very aggressive pitcher. And the one thing I learned about him um, in thinking about watching him pitch for this research was 
um, just a tremendous student of the game. Really? He he actually talked to all the pitchers that came before him. He had their phone numbers and call them up and learn mm. how to pitch. And so with that kind of, to me, adds some perspective about his longevity. And he wasn't just a fun flamethrower, mm. which mm. he certainly was, and that's why I picked him I, I in the think first place. I would think he was scary. It's scary to <laughs> fun to watch them. Yeah, fun to watch. And uh, and really, just you know, I mean, I think he spent most of his career playing for teams that were not giant market teams. Yeah. So Arizona, um, under Seattle, the radar, Montreal. a little bit for that. Yeah. And pl- and had a hand, and I think, uh, you know, you have those games that you watched that aren't your team. Yeah. In one of the more exciting games I've ever watched, which was Game Seven of the 2001 World Series between yes. the Arizona Diamondbacks and, and the Yankees, one of the and he closed it. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it was he was fantastic. So what's your uh, relief pitcher? I'm assuming you're gonna go with. Let me think. Uh, you know, Hansel Robles. Uh, of the Minnesota Twins, who's <laughs> <laughs> now on the Red Sox. Now, yeah. yeah. No, I have a feeling I know who you're gonna pick. The two of you, who are you picking? Should I say it? Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, Mariano Rivera. A good yes. pick. There's nobody all else time who's save, better. All time safe leader. They did it all with one pitch. Yeah. Just the weird amazing. slider pitch like, that did the one cutter. crazy thing. So that's why we choose him. And uh, and a lot of postseason success. Yeah, a ton of postseason. Just the best consistency. Um, really hard to make an argument for another closer in my mind. Although closer yeah. is such a new position in the history of baseball, and that's the reason I'm arguing who I am arguing for. And some of it is personal, as for me, and that's Dennis Eckersley. Yeah, uh, I saw Dennis Eckersley pitch several times, and I think that some of it is he spent some of, most of his career, a, a good part of his career, as a starter. So it would be interesting to have seen what he would have done if he had had the same career as Mariano Rivera, who Rivera was a closer his entire career, and that yeah. wasn't a thing as much. I mean, you had guys like Rich Gossage and things when Eckersley came up who were already mainly relief pitchers and Raleigh Fingers, yeah. but mainly you would not have that. And so Eckersley came was, was in my mind, you know, the guy who... I'm not going to say quite dime a dozen, but your guys who can come up and have a great year. Bobby Thigpen comes up and hits like 57 saves, and yeah. but never you never yeah. see see him again. The closer is one of those roles where it's really hard to be to have longevity at it. And so uh, Rivera, obviously, the other person I thought of for this maybe would have been Trevor Hoffman. I just didn't want to pick Rivera for oh, many yeah, reasons. Trevor but but I, I ended up with Eckersley just because of how large he loomed. So when I was at 1988 Game 1 of the World Series, and and Dennis Eckersley came in to close the game against the Dodgers. I was yeah. like, this game's over. This yeah. is, I, I am sad. I am really sad right now. And then when they hit the home and Kirk Gibson hit the home run off of him, then I was really happy because like, he had done it off Dennis Eckersley. It's hard to think about like how many play, how many pitchers like could have been great closers if they yeah. had been in an era where there were mm-hmm. closers. It's it's an interesting because you could do it with one pitch, right? You yeah. couldn't pitch. You can't pitch a complete game. You're is it who? I mean, the the great closers right now. I feel like it's. It feels like most of them have to have at least two pitches. I don't think there's any of them that just have the one pitch. Just one amazing. Like Trevor Hoffman, his great pitch was the changeup. But you can't just throw a changeup. He had a great right. changeup because yeah. his fastball was good too. But like a Chapman but, is a great closer. But Ryan Rivera just had one fastball. pitch. That was what was yeah. so strange about him. 
Yeah. And the cool thing about his pitch was um, it wasn't made to strike out players. It was meant to Saw destroy. the bat in half. Yeah. yeah. So, it, like, he just, his pitch just broke countless bats. Mm-hmm. And um, this is just, like, a quote from the Baseball 100, and I could like it because it says, It attacked lefty hitters like a swarm of bees, and it made righties reach out blindly like they are trying to hit a shadow. <laughs> yeah. Which I think, like, I've never seen anything do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing. It's like the great strength was the thing. I remember, like, it was the great moment in 2001 in the World Series was the bases were loaded and there was one out. Mm-hmm. And Tim McCarver, who's the, the guy on it, is like, the problem with bringing your infield in against Mariano Rivera is he saws off a lot of, you know, <laughs> yeah, left-handed okay. pitchers. And at on cue, Luis Gonzalez hits a ball, like, 80 feet. that just <laughs> clears Derek Jeter and they win the game, so... Well, this is we have good teams, I think. I think it's fair to say that if the teams that we fielded were on the field right now, we would win some World Series rings. Oh, I think that's oh, true. Yeah. yeah. It'd be great. It'd be great fun to watch anyway. And super fun to chat with you guys about it. So yeah. thank you so much for being on the ninth time of the night. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have an idea about the a different theme other than music that you would like to talk with me about, please email me and we can figure it out. This has been super fun, and part of the reason I wanted to do this with David and Caroline is so that people could think about maybe other themes that they would like to explore. So please email me if you have an idea, and until then, the peace of the Lord be with you.